So this morning we uh, resume our discussion on nothetic counseling. And if uh, the word counseling is hurting your eyes, it's because there's only one L. There's a difference between the British and American spelling. I think this is the British version. I'm not sure at the moment. Um, but uh, for the next couple of weeks, um, besides the breaking of bread, we will be looking at a few elements that relate to the practice of biblical counseling. And this morning we begin by looking at restoration. How do we go about restoration and what is the responsibility in the process of restoration? Um, so this, there's three, four parts to my teaching and it's probably going to take the entirety of two years to get through it. So um, I, I've done part one, which was the theory of uh, nothetic counseling. This part looks more at um, sanctification, different aspects of sanctification. And then the second, uh, the third part will look at specific issues to counsel through, like for instance, depression, marital problems, anxiety, uh, divorce, particular issues that I will look at, but that will be next year. So you've got something to uh, look forward to and stay until we get to that um, aspect. So before I begin with today's lesson, let me uh, just refresh your memory as to the meaning of nothetic counseling. So the word uh, nothetic comes from the noun and the verbal uh, term nuthesia or nutheteo, which you have in your, not the Greek terms, but the translated terms you have in your notes. And this is often translated admonish in the scripture. So wherever it appears, it is most often translated like that. But if you do a lexical study, you will see that that word admonish is not the most preferred translation for um, this word. In fact, in Romans chapter 15, if you look at verse 14, this is my uh, translation, but I'll, I'll read from the ESV. Verse 14 says, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness and filled with all knowledge and are able to admonish or instruct one another. And that word they instruct is the word counsel. And so in this passage, Paul encourages the saints to be about the business of counseling. Now, it's not just the duty of the saints to counsel. It is also the duty of the Thessalonian, uh, sorry, of the um, pastors to counsel. Look at what Paul lays down as an example in 1 Thessalonians 5, 12. He says, uh, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you, that is the leaders, and who are over you in the Lord and admonish you or counsel you. Uh, it is the duty of not only the church, but also the leaders of the church to counsel the saints. So that's just a refresher of what the word means. Now, I know it's been a while, but does anybody remember the three terms that I gave like four or five months ago on what count uh, the three C's of nothetic counseling may be? Yeah, go. 
Hey, you looked in the notes. That's cheating. Yeah. <laughs> Confrontation, concern, and uh, change. So let's just review that. Um, simply put, nothetic counseling consists of loving confrontation, uh, lovingly confronting God's people out of a deep Christ-like concern for them in order to make them change in according to God's requirement. That's what nothetic counseling aims to do. That is what it is. Uh, by the way, welcome to those who are visitors. We normally have a formal welcome, welcome in the uh, second part of our uh, service because most people do come late. Um, this is an engaging period. This is not the preaching hour. This is uh, the preaching hour. We will not take any questions. But yeah, if you do have any questions, you are welcome uh, to ask it at any time. So the three C's, confrontation, um, concern, and uh, care. What is meant by confrontation? What do you remember about confrontation? What is the meaning of the word confront? Biblically speaking. What do you think? Yeah. <laughs> it's not attacking, but more love, loving. Okay, I'll go with it. <clears throat> okay. Well, both. I mean, you are confronting the sinful person, uh, the sin that's true. Um, but confrontation is more than just going and setting them straight, because that's what we think when we hear the word confrontation. <clears throat> confrontation, in your notes, is not hostility, but it is helping. It is not hostility, but it is helping saints to see themselves and their sin in the light of Scripture. So what is the means of confrontation? Scripture. I, I don't want to hear, oh, I'm, I'm going to confront him, like Baron sometimes says. I'm, I'm going to go tell him. That, that's not what is in view um, when we speak of confrontation. It is not your personal opinion that matters in confrontation. It is not your personal perspective that matters in confrontation. It is what the word says regarding that sin or the lifestyle of that believer that is important. Paul says in uh, Colossians that the word of Christ should richly dwell in us, and that is the way in which we should confront one another. It is by means of the scripture. Now, Second Peter 1 3, I believe it is, says, His divine power has granted to us everything we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us. It is through the knowledge of Jesus Christ that is word based and not, not some esoterical feeling or, or, or emotion or um, experience, but it is word-based. It is information that comes, knowledge that comes from the word that needs to confront us. <clears throat> what is meant by concern? 
Welcome back, Robert. Another one. Good to see you. What is meant by concern? Biblical concern. Oh, um, if you are going to comment, make sure that you wait for the mic so that we can get it on the recording. And try not to put the mic up to your lips. You're not singing. So um, why do we have uh, security driving up and down? <laughs> yeah, they are concerned. Okay, so by concern we mean counseling is done for the advantage of the person being counseled. And the missing word there, it is done for the benefit or the profit or the advantage of the saint. <clears throat> you can go back into your notes. It should, should come back uh, to you. Uh, for those of you who are new, this is recorded. Um, and these lessons are recorded and you can go on to, what is it, uh, Spotify? Where is it found? Sermon Audio uh, and probably on our website as well. Uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4.14, I am not writing these things to shame you, but to counsel you as my dear children. So there is a familial concern for the saint. It is deep Christ-like love <coughs> for the sinning brother. What is meant by change? <clears throat> change acknowledges that there is a standard, a short and a shortfall. Uh, sorry, I should have been a conjunction there. Change acknowledges that there is a standard and a shortfall and a need to obey, submit, or conform to that standard. So either of those words, obey, submit, or conform. There's a standard, there's a shortfall, and there's a need to obey, submit, or conform to that standard. By change, we mean that the Bible has given us clear instruction as to what and how we need to live, what we need to obey and how we need to obey it. All counseling, <clears throat> biblical and otherwise, aims for change, whether it's psychological counseling, which they call um, uh, psychiatry or psychological help, um, or biblical counseling, both aim at change. We have the means to bring about true and lasting change. They want to see change, but it's a change of mindset and a change of behavior, which is not lasting. Um, when it doesn't come from Scripture, it will not affect the person uh, in a long-lasting way. And so for that reason, the first half of our classes, we focused on why uh, Notheric counseling is the best means of counseling. It is the only means of counseling that we should employ in, as believers. All right, any questions thus far? No, let's move on. I need to see where um, the students are. I see Hilton. The others are not here. Okay, so he'll be called on this morning. So turn over to Galatians chapter 6. This will be our focus for this morning's lesson. We want to talk about the process and responsibility of restoration. Read with me Galatians chapter 6 verse 1. <clears throat> Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual 
should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. If a person is caught in some trespass, one translation says, <clears throat> you who have the spirit should restore him. And I think that's a little bit too wide and I'm going to limit the uh, who have the spirit to, I think the ESV has the better sense here. So we'll get back to that later. The context here is actually chapter 5. Now, in the um, writing of Scripture, there were no chapter breaks, and so we don't have chapter 6 in the original text. And so there's a flow of thought that flows, that, that comes from um, the middle of chapter 5. <clears throat> and Paul speaks about not only the freedom that you have and the limitation that that freedom brings to the believer, but how to express that freedom, which is the fruit of the Spirit. You have freedom, and this is how you can live in that freedom, it's by living um, in, in step with the Spirit. Look at chapter 5, verse 16. I say walk by the Spirit um, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And so Paul pro, uh, presents the means through which we are able to enjoy our freedom in Christ. Freedom in Christ doesn't allow us freedom to sin which seems to be the case here. They were indulging and gratifying the deeds of the flesh, and he's saying, no, your freedom should allow you to excel in uh, Christ-like behavior, to excel in that which the Spirit uh, grants us. Verse 17, For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. They stand opposed to one another. You cannot live according to the flesh and live according to the Spirit. The two will combat each other. The one, one will win. Verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of rage, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And he doesn't give the entire list. He's just saying that these are emblematic of those who walk according to the flesh, those who are controlled by their passions. <clears throat> then he says, I warn you, uh, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is not indicative of kingdom citizens. This is not indicative of those who are changed by the grace of God. Verse 22, but contrasting to living um, in your sensual uh, life, contrasting to fulfilling the desires of the flesh is this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, <clears throat> gentleness, self-control, and against such things there is no law. This is what freedom looks like. This is how you enjoy life in Christ. This is how you enjoy the freedom of the Spirit. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live um, by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited and take note of this, how he now speaks about pride and exalting oneself. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, 
uh, envying one another. Brothers, if anyone is caught in transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness, keeping watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear with, uh, sorry, bear one another's burden and so fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he is something, going back to the end of verse 26. When he is nothing, he deceives himself, but let each one of us test his own work and then his um, reason uh, and then his reason to boast <coughs> will be uh, in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each one will have to bear his own load. I'll get back to that in a moment's time. Paul here illustrates that if we live by the Spirit, it dramatically affects how we walk in reality. If our life is dominated by obedience to the Spirit, then we will not give in to the sensual lusts of the flesh. But take note how Paul highlights one element of the fruit of the Spirit. Notice what he says. Brothers, if anyone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him in the spirit of what? Gentleness. Where did you see that before? Well, in verse 19. Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against these things, such things, there is <clears throat> no law. Paul connects the illustration of how to deal with a sinning brother to the fruit of the Spirit. And he says, this is how a spiritual person, a person who walks by the Spirit, will demonstrate that influence in his interpersonal relationships. We often think that counseling belongs to the professionals. Counseling belongs to those who have a degree. Counseling belongs to the psychologists. Not at all. Or sometimes even the church leaders. God expects us all who walk according to the Spirit to counsel. And that's the point of chapter 6, verse 1. Paul uses one element that relates to the fruit of the Spirit to show the demonstration of that fruit and um, of the fruit of the Spirit in the life of the believer. And he covers a variety of different aspects, which deals with humility, um, self-control, and also helping the saints. And so that's the connection that Paul makes for us in Galatians chapter 6. Point three in your notes. God knows we will encounter others caught in sin. That is both scary and comforting. God knew that we would struggle with sin. And so as a part of his blessing to church life, God provides for the reality of our nature to desire to sin. A, the limitation of restoration. Who is responsible or are responsible for the process of restoration? I believe it is only the spiritual ones. Look at Galatians 6 1 again. If anyone is caught in a sin or transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Number one, the act 
of restoration is limited to those who are walking in the Spirit. These are they who are spiritual. It is only those who are actually uh, applying or demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit. Because if they are obedient to the Spirit, they would be able to help those who are not obedient uh, to the Spirit. What this means then is, number two, not everyone should counsel, but all who fall into sin must be counseled. And you don't seem to have that. Oh, you do. And number three, only those who are spiritual should help those restore um, who have fallen, restore those who have fallen. So I think that's pretty clear from the text where he says, um, you who are spiritual must restore the fallen brothers. Look at verse... 26 of chapter 5. And and I want to remind you that there is no split between this. If we, 25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not, so the result of that, let us not become conceited, should be this then, that we are not prideful or proud, provoking one another, envying one another. But instead of that, when we see a brother's sin, Let us put ourselves aside and go after that brother that has sinned. So that is the limitation of restoration. Any questions, comments on that? I do have questions and they are in rectangular blocks. So when we get there, I will um, ask it, which seems to be right here, right now. Just trying to find where your notes are in relation to where mine is, point three. Okay. What is the danger of having unspiritual people counsel? So if you're going to talk, put your hand up so we can get you on the mic. What is the danger of having um, unspiritual people counsel? While you're thinking, let me just grab some water. Gunter. Um, I guess to an extent what we read just now in Galatians 5 uh, verse 16 where it talks about uh, these people being in the flesh. So they would counsel then from the flesh uh, and give advice that's sensual and not spiritual. That's a good point, yeah. They will counsel from, from the flesh. Uh, Peter? Well, what you had us read there in verse 26. Mm. Uh, uh, hold on a second. <laughs> um, we could be conceited because we're in the flesh, and we could provoke the other person because we're in the flesh. Yeah. We could also envy them. You know, yeah. We're prone to a whole lot of not handling things right, not gently, peacefully, yeah. because you're in the flesh. You're not submitting. Good point. Well said. Yeah, and that's that. That was my point. That those who live by their fleshly desires will also counsel by the flesh. 
um, they, they are not a help to others. Keenan. Yeah, just to add on, also the first three C's, if you're from the flesh, you're, you're, you're not confronting the sin directly because you need to confront it from the heart mm. that's the source your concern is not for them to be restored to christ but to restore to self because a lot of flesh counselors self-love and yeah. instead of pointing towards christ well put good point yeah the 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 change is not biblical but um pointing inward those who are fleshly think of themselves um so they're going to want you to change in a way that pleases them rather than in a way that pleases the Lord. And so that is why there is a limitation on um, those who counsel. So B, secondly, <clears throat> was there another hand? No. Um, we want to look at the scope of restoration. And I'm going to look at the positive part. Not only is uh, the statement, those of you who are spiritual, uh, a limitation, but it's also a very broad, um, wide avenue. It's, it, it tells us who the ones are that need to, um, that need to uh, counsel. Number one, it is commanded that all the spiritual saints engage in helping sinning saints. That means if you are growing in the spirit, if you are faithful, <clears throat> I should say growing in the faith, you are faithful to the Lord and um, you are growing in sanctification, you are responsible. You should be the one looking out for those saints who are struggling in sin. Um, you should be the one that's willing to, well, you are already putting um, your sinful desires to death. And so you should be helping those who are struggling with doing that very thing. Number two, the unspiritual ones pose a problem uh, concerning the uncertainty of their faith. Look at chapter 6, <clears throat> verse 19. Uh, is it 6.19 or 5? I think it's 5.19. Um, yes, yeah, 5.19, sorry. Uh, yeah, Paul speaks about the, the, the fulfilling the desires of the flesh. Now, the works of the flesh are evident Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of rage, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things, and that is things, is a, uh, as a regular practice, as a habit of life, will not inherit the kingdom of God. So the the reason that we need to be concerned about those who uh, are living in sin is because those who are pursuing that kind of sinful life places a question about their spirituality whether they are true believers as well now the reason i say that this is the scope as well as the limitation is because the subject the grammatical subject of this verse is actually those who are spiritual that's in the plural so it's all of those who are spiritual, they must restore. They should be the ones restoring those who have sinned. And that is your main clause in the sentence. That is the substantive um, argument that Paul is making. All of us uh, who are growing in our faith must be the ones who are pursuing uh, the, the, those who are struggling in their sins. So, if you are growing, if you are faithful, then this is meant for you. 
But question number two, why should it be those who are spiritual, the opposite of the unspiritual? Why should it be only those who are spiritual? What do you think? Do I need to call her names? My wife says, yes, so I'm listening. <laughs> I think, are you carrying a baby? <laughs> Hilton, what do, what do you think? Those who are spiritual are those who are obviously committed to Christ and walking in the Spirit. They are the ones who have a genuine interest in the counselee, um, and they have an interest in ensuring that they present Scripture in such a way as the only solution. Um, to help uh, the counselee to become more like Christ and obviously bring glory to God. So therefore it has to be the one who is spiritual. Um, the one who is not spiritual obviously um, run the risk of also falling into temptation. Whereas those who are spiritual, they are always watching that they don't um, fall into that very same temptation. That's a good point, yeah. Um, anyone wants to elaborate on that? <coughs> Can you hang that on any verse? Not you specifically, but is there any passage that supports the need for walking in the spirit that relates to interpersonal relationships? <clears throat> there should be one that pops into your mind very quickly. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. I think it's 18. Yeah. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Look at the interpersonal effect of that. Addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. This is why we consider the, the music ministry an essential part of our worship. So what they sing is important for teaching because the net result of a spiritual life is communicating the truth of God's word in song. Now, this doesn't mean you're going to go serenade a sister who is suffering in depression because um, there are some guys that that's interprets it that way. But notice verse 20, giving thanks <clears throat> always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence. Wives, submit. You can see there's a connection to your own husbands. Husbands, verse 25, love your wives. Um, children, chapter 6, verse 1, obey your parents. <clears throat> and then he comes back to the idea of submission. Bond servants, obey your uh, earthly masters with fear and trembling, with uh, sincerity of heart. Um, the, the idea of being in submission may, in those passages means that you willingly place yourself underneath the authority of uh, another. 
Another passage that we look at is Romans chapter 8. <clears throat> and this is more an answer to the previous question, but provides uh, insight to this question. Romans 8 verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Does it make sense? So in counseling, when your mind is set on that which is natural, how are you going to help a person that is struggling with a spiritual problem? You can't, because your mind is only thinking of how can I help him, quote-unquote, practically or personally, but not how will this honor the Lord? How am I able to point him to Christ? <clears throat> Uh, there's, a, there's a correlation with another verse in Colossians yeah. 3.16. Um, and that same outflowing, when we walk in the Spirit, when the Word of Christ dwells in us, in us richly, that same outflow or result happens. Yes, yes. Good point. Colossians, what's that, 3.16? 3.16, yeah. Good point. Okay, I need to move on. Um, number C, or point C, the need for restoration. Galatians 6, uh, 1 anticipates that and makes provision uh, for the, the reality that saints will struggle with sin. It is not um, unforeseeable that you are going to sin. Every one of us will fall into a sin. Now, it doesn't mean that you will be caught in a habit of sin, and that is what this passage tries to avoid. If you are caught in a habit of sin, we are talking about a different passage. Uh, we are talking about a different response. Here, um, and now I'll point out the significance of this word caught in a moment's time, but the reason there is a need for restoration is, number one, spiritual blind spots are real. They exist. <clears throat> The word trip or is caught literally means to be captured or to be tripped up as in trip up as in to fall into. The, the passive element here is that you are not the one literally pursuing the element of sin, but you are caught in it, unawares. You, you're not really thinking about it and, and you are stumbled into it. You are entangled, um, that's how I think Jay Adams illustrates it, is that you're fallen into the web of sin and you're entangled in it, but you don't see it. So in that case, if that happens, those who are spiritual should recognize that you're caught in a sin and point it out to you. They should lovingly, out of concern for you, say, brother, what you're doing doesn't align with Scripture. Have you thought about it uh, in, in terms of this passage? Uh, do you see what you're doing, how it contradicts what the Bible says here? So those who are spiritual must pursue that believer in love and aim to restore that brother, not to himself, because this is not a personal offense. This is a restoration to the Lord, to the fellowship, if he's away from the fellowship, or um, uh, to, to faithfulness. And I think that is the, the greater view uh, that is in, in perspective here. Now, what are some blind spots? I didn't, did I have that question? Yeah, what are some blind spots that, that Christians overlook very often? 
What are some things that we don't see as sin that we have fallen into and needs to be addressed? Okay, yeah, uh, wait for the mic. We have 10 minutes left and I have a lot of notes to get through. I would say, whoops, I would say a lot of these sins we looked at in respectable sins, so irritability, frustration, selfishness, impatience. Well said, yeah. Um, anger, worldliness, uh, discontent, unthankfulness. Uh, if you do not have that book and you didn't finish that book, Respectable Sins, please get it and read it uh, and weep. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that does bring a lot of conviction because there's a lot of things that we willingly or sometimes are ignorant of, um, uh, willingly overlook or we are ignorant of. That is true. Anything else? <clears throat> One more point. What about enslavement? We call it addiction. There's no such thing in scripture. It is called enslavement. That is a sin that we overlook. Uh, Paul in Romans chapter 6 deals with that, that those who, let's just look at Romans 6, 6. Um, and I know he's talking about sin in a, in a general sense, but uh, just listen to what he says. Mm. Not verse 6, verse 15 and 16, he says, What then? Are we to sin because we are no longer under law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin which leads to death or of obedience which leads to righteousness but thanks be to God that you were once slaves of sin and become and have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed uh, interesting that he contrasts that the obedience is to the teaching to the truth um, that they have been uh, given but here Paul deals with slaves to sin and he relates it to the past life but that kind of enslavement does take place today as well uh, amongst believers. Um, in, in what way can we see that enslavement? I know I'm meddling. That's the point of counseling. What do we often um, write off as just a... Um, Personal addiction. Most of us do it. Now, I'm not talking about smoking. <laughs> Auntie Jean, is, she's stirring. <laughs> Social media. <clears throat> Social media, yeah. Um, it, is it difficult for you to put that phone aside uh, and continue scrolling? Uh, once you scroll... It's hard to unscroll. You know what I mean. It's hard to put it down. Um, what also is, a, and I agree with you, not, not just coffee, but it can be food substances. 
that we've come, become enslaved to, like sweet things. I don't want to say chiselin, but sweet things. <laughs> you know, where, where it's, it controls you. You must have it. And, and you cannot go without that one thing. Um, that's enslavement. Whatever it is. You can, now, I understand that coffee wakes me up in the morning. I'm not enslaved to it. I'm probably more enslaved to tea than I am to coffee because I drink like 40 cups of tea a day um, and, and maybe two cups of coffee morning and, and uh, late afternoon. But I think that, that that is a respectable sin we, we willingly overlook. Um, if, let me put it this way. When it controls you, then it has become a problem. Was there a hand? Lorenzo? Yeah. Oh, 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 no, no, no. Wait for the mic. There you go. <laughs> I just wanted to add the hobbies that you consider, okay, this is what I do in my spirit, and that can also, um, you know, become a respectable set of something. That yeah. A blind um, spot, I suppose. Yeah, that's a good point. Anything that has become a controlling factor, it can be a good desire and can be a bad desire. Both can become sinful. Uh, let me use the illustration of desiring to become pregnant. It's a good desire, but if that is your controlling desire, like Rachel said, give me children or I die, that is a controlling factor that's become a sinful um, action. Why are we laughing? (laughs) Oh, that, no. (laughs) Sorry, Rachel. I forgot we have another Rachel. Um, But yeah, anything that, that controls us to the extent that we cannot be without it. That is a sin, and it needs to be uh, addressed. Um, Okay, so we are probably not going to get through our notes, but let me get through number two. So blind spots are real, and number two, sometimes habits or desires can be sinful, and that is just based on what um, Lorenzo uh, said there. That doesn't mean that every habit or or desire uh, or hobby uh, is sinful, but whenever a habit or a desire becomes co- a controlling desire and dictates or dominates you, it dominates your life, then it's become a sin that you have fallen into. So if you are in that situation, then your blind spot needs to be addressed. And you should welcome people to point that out uh, to you. Okay, so I have five minutes left. <clears throat> Let me give you the missing words, and then we'll come back, and uh, next time uh, I'll fill in the missing uh, um, content. So, restore and not reprimand. I think that is uh, clear. Restore and responsibility. I'll explain that in a moment's time. And I'm going to leave it there. Because yeah, I'm I'm, I'm going to do it injustice if I uh, if I if I just go through it. So let me just explain those last two uh, points: restore and reprimand. <clears throat> Sometimes we mean well, uh, and instead of helping the saint, we hurt them by proceeding to reprimand them. God commands us to help and not hurt believers. Uh, you can be sincere in your approach, but if it's not a biblical confrontation, you are going to cause damage. The word restore means to mend. It is the word used of um, 
fishermen who, 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 who fixed fishing nets. It is a word used of a physician who, bend, who uh, mends a broken uh, bone. Kadarizo is the, is the word, and it means to cause to function well again. That's why it's, it's mended, whether it's a bone or a net, so it can function well again. So if we do not restore, we allow that person to grow with that broken bone. Uh, we allow that net to be exposed and to cause major uh, problems and a bigger problem than it is. So that is why the restoration process is important. Um, those who counsel need to take responsibility, which is B, for those who have fallen into a sin. That gives us a different perspective of how we engage with one another, right? It's not just joking about certain things when a certain believer struggles with a certain sin. It's not helpful to just joke about it. It is our duty and responsibility to help them see their sin. It is our duty and responsibility to encourage them to pursue righteousness and not to remain in that sin. So I'm going to pause over there. We have about three minutes left. Any questions or comments at this stage? No. So we'll uh, pick up here and I will print out an answer sheet up till this stage so that next week, um, we are all at the same stage, actually not next week, the next time. Um, or what I'll do is I'll put the answers on the group if you want, and then we, we can take it from there.